This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. There's never been a more complex time to be a parent. While parents have more resources than ever at their disposal, they're also plagued by greater demands, higher expectations and more anxieties over their children's well-being. But one thing has not changed over generations, I think. The fact that parents still struggle to understand and communicate with their children. So on today's episode of Mind Matters, we'll be taking a look at um, why children may find it difficult to talk about their emotions and how parents can support them. And joining me for this discussion today, Dr. Ranila Ishani Sirisinga, a licensed counsellor with Thrive Well, and Ira, a parent uh, of four children uh, who's also a full time working mom. Dr. Ranila and Ira, thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation. How are the both of you? Good, doing good. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, Sherry. I'm good as well. Yeah, so Ira, I'm going to sort of uh, put you on the spot to, to, to start off with. I want to ask you as a parent, because the whole point of today's discussion is to look at what children are going through, but also what parents are going through as we're trying to understand our children better, right? As a parent, um, what are the challenges that you face in raising your children, especially as a working mom? On top of that, what keeps you up at night? Okay. Um, what keeps me up at night basically is have I been enough for them? So, and the other part is uh, about um, knowing their needs. Uh, as you know, just now you mentioned I have four kids. Um, I have two teenagers and um, school goings. Um, so basically knowing each of them at their respective age, their needs and their wants are basically, and to be, you know, mum with them, not yeah. just, uh, you know, here and there, basically. Yeah, yeah. When you say that your concern is whether you have been enough for them, right? Um, how do you measure that in yourself? Are you looking at sort of the physical aspects of care? Uh, or are there other aspects of parenting that uh, concern you as well? Um, the way I measure uh, how I think I've given that enough, um, that's Probably few areas. If in terms of their school, probably have I given them enough, um, you know, um, the the books that they need for their, them to uh, learn, or, or if they have any uh, gaps with their study, the tuition needs. But I think the most importantly, beside the academics, actually their emotions, because uh, different age are different. Again, uh, going to sound repetitive, their needs. The teenagers probably is not so much the quant. Quantity of the time, but it's the quality time that um, mm. I have to spend with them as opposed for the younger ones that I have is the play around time, that kind of thing like, for them. Mm. So I measure it based from the, the, the response that I receive from them, basically. Mm. Mm. Um, what do you think your kids are going through, right? On the flip side, um, we may assume that kids are carefree, they're joyful, what do they have to worry about? But when you look at them and what they go through in life, what are the challenges that your kids face? Um, I will go back to my two teenagers. Uh, it will be the current 
um, the current affairs, the current issues now. Like we have the the gadgets, the distractions that they have while they have to focus also in their studies, but also how to have the balance mm-hmm. between spending time with their screen time. And as for the younger ones, will be the how to keep them, um, you know, the normal childhood when they have time to spend um, play outside, outdoor, safely without supervision. Again. Mm-hmm. But instead, we have to be there and supervise. So it's, again, the time that they require us to be uh, for them. So, yeah, I will say that. Lah. Mm. Uh, Dr. Ranila, from your perspective of working with parents and children, mm-hmm. if I could get you to weigh in then on those two aspects, right? The challenges that parents right. and children are facing today. Right. So it's pretty much um, what Jaira mentioned. So children nowadays, I think, in a child's world, they have school and they have home. And encompassing it all is like the digital aspect of it that comes into play where they have gadgets, they have new technologies that um, uh, that are there all the time. Um, and so I think this group of children, the teens and the children these days, they are very unique in the challenges that they face because they have been born into a world that is fully digitalized. You know, they are born into a world that there's technology um, everywhere, everything's at a, a touch, everything's at, you know, the tip of the fingertips, all the information. So I think managing that for both children and parents can be a very difficult thing. Um, so that's one of the challenges, like handling technology, handling mm. devices, handling social media. Mm. Um, and then, of course, uh, going into the details of it, like school has its own challenges, you know, mm. school, um, teacher, student relationship, peer relationships, um, handling school um, situations, um, environments can be a challenge as well, as well as the home situations. Do you feel that kids these days, um, it, they have it more difficult, do you think, in some ways, compared to what we um, grew up with? Um I guess um, different generation will have their own f- difficulty depending on the generation. So our time probably the difficulty is different. So we can't, I can't, we can't be compared the mm. the ch- challenge. But mm. the challenge is always there in the generation. Mm. So if you were to ask what are their challenges now, um, I, I would say the 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 vast of information they have and the stress probably in terms of the prioritization. Um, as we know, the, the teenagers, maybe um, in terms of the environment, uh, how to be the responsible part of being the teenager part. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's a try and error kind of thing. Too much screen time, is it good? Or is it no screen time at all? Mm-hmm. So how to balance that? Uh, and sometimes as the parents, is the one that we have to, you know, give guidance lah, in that sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of teenagers particularly, I think parents struggle there uh, in trying to uh, identify with or relate to what their teens are going through Mm. in terms of puberty, finding their identity um, and, you know, sort of navigating um, friends and school and all these things, right? Uh, Especially tricky with teens, I think. And, you know, I've heard parents of teens say, I don't know what happened. He, uh, they used to be these happy kids and suddenly they've had a personality transplant. Ira, um, can you... Uh, it's, I'm going to you again. Can you share what it's like with teens? Okay, so I have four. So definitely I can see the, the, the age um, of their response and their reaction. Yes, like you say, the when they were young, yes, they 
want to share with you, mm. even their drawing or even the little, little things that happen. Mm. But as they grow, they, they get, um, you know, uh, just pick and choose what to share with mommy and daddy. So um, the things that they, if they were to share is probably very general, nothing very specific. Uh, general in the sense that uh, my school is going, uh, it's okay, I have exam in this certain yeah. day, that kind of thing. But if we were to go into a very specific in terms of teenager, uh, how's your, you and your friend, uh, are, you, are you okay with, you know, uh, you know, getting your first menses, that kind of thing, are you all right? So they will just like, yeah, I'm okay. But mm-hmm. actually, you can see from their body language, they're not fine. They're probably um, tired or, you know, that kind of thing. So I think um, as we go on in our discussion, we'd like to explore more about that, right? How do we go beyond those kinds of questions to mm-hmm. communicate more meaningfully with kids, especially with teens? Uh, but Dr. Ranilla, um, as a professional uh, in this situation, what do you think that perhaps parents um, forget when it comes to dealing with um, kids as they go through phases of life and um, you know it's perhaps um, parents are so busy juggling things uh, and maybe forget that teens especially uh, are not really mini adults but neither are they the, the same version of the the preschoolers um, yeah. uh, that, that they saw right yeah, yeah. yeah exactly so I would say that um Parents often forget that kids are really going through their own struggles and figuring out the world. You know, they're just coming up in the world. They don't have our maturity, our knowledge, our experience. And so they're really just trying to make sense of it. And speaking about teenagers in particular, it's pretty tricky um, because, like you use the word identity. So the teenagers, that, that, that phase of life is really about them trying to figure out who they are in this world, where they fit in in this world, trying to make... Um, an idea of their sense of self away from the family unit, you know, away from my parents, away from, you know, my home. But who am I in this world? So really realizing as parents and as adults, as um, therapists, what we can do is remember that they're going through this this difficulty, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to find their place in the world, trying to identify and figure out who they are, um, what they like, what they don't like, how they contribute to the world, how they contribute to their class, how they contribute to home. So that's something I think we can remember for teenagers. Mm. And uh, just a point related to their brain development. In mm-hmm. fact, um, their brains aren't even fully developed yet, right? Yep, no, at at what at age? does the brain actually become fully formed? Yep, so we're actually looking at 20s when the brain is fully formed. So we're looking at 25 years around that age when the brain is fully formed. So teenagers, they're still really developing cognitively. They may be progressing in terms of they're able to think a bit more abstractly. They're able to make a bit more complex um, decisions compared to kids. But still, even though they look and sound like an adult, they are far, far, far from being fully developed cognitively. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So things to keep in mind as uh, we go through uh, the rest of the discussion about how we can connect with children younger as well as in, in their adolescence. Um, on today's Mind Matters, we are looking at Um, this area of uh, mental health where it relates specifically uh, to children and teenagers and, you know, how can parents um, sort of build the emotional support and uh, emotional intelligence for their children. Joining me on the show today, Dr. Ranila Ishani Sirisinga, a licensed counsellor with Thrive Well and 
era, a parent of four children, uh, four lovely but I think a handful <laughs> of children, right? Uh, so we will continue this discussion when we come back after a quick break on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. Joining me on today's episode of Mind Matters, Dr. Ranila Ishani Sirisinger, a licensed counsellor with Thrive Well, and Ira, a parent of four children and a full-time working mother. We're discussing um, how to build better communication between parents and children, how to understand the emotional struggles that children are going through, um, through the life um, course of growing up, really, from... Um, from their younger school-going years to adolescence where things become more uh, complex, more tricky, uh, you know, emotionally and mentally um, for young people. Um, Ira, earlier you um, talked about how it can be tricky talking to especially your teenage children and asking them um, what they're going through or um, what their day has been like, right? Um so how, how do you approach that every day, say, you know, when you see them after they've come back from school? Mm-hmm. Um, what are your sort of, um, what, what kinds of questions do you ask them? You talked about how sometimes the responses are kind yeah. of like they shrug, but you know there's something going on. Right? Tell us more about that. Okay, so um, basically, uh, as a parent, we also had need to keep, us in check lah with them in terms of are they go uh, are they anticipating exam coming mm. or are they um, expecting um, you know seasonal like balik kampung mm. that kind of thing um, it's important also um, we need to know what um, the anticipation before I want to ask because the typical day to day school like how are you in school that will be like if you were the teenager they will be like yeah school is fine <laughs> but it helps to know um, earlier um, the, what the day ahead they will be facing let's mm. say they have a sports day mm. so maybe the question my question with them um, the, the teenager ones obviously um, you know are you ready are you looking forward for it that kind of thing so things they um based on what they may anticipate towards those days. Mm. Uh, well, the younger ones is always the very easy one. Lah. Do you enjoy your school today? Are you happy? You know, because they still in the age of still Talking, sharing. Yeah, sharing. Uh, even the small thing, I eat this and that, mm. that kind of thing. So not so difficult to ask the younger one as opposed to the teenagers mm. one. We have to a bit of strategize <laughs> <laughs> to be yeah. five steps or ten steps. As much as possible because they are trial and error as well mm. on this thing. So how do you sort of dig further if they are feeling a bit like not ready to share yet? I'll wait actually mm. because no point to... Because obviously it's things I've tried, right? Asking them right and then, you may not get the mm. what they want. They probably give you what you want to hear. Yeah. So I'll take time. Time depends. If it's something that will be happening in another two days or, or something that have happened... I'll give like maybe later at night or maybe the next day when they f- have more energy or that kind of thing. So my take is always sometimes you just have to take the cue from their body mm. uh, and mm. their facial expression as well. Yeah. Sometimes you just yeah. know when they, you know, I just don't want to tell this yet, mom. Mm. Mm. Dr. Renila, why do some kids uh, and then especially uh, the teenagers sort of hold back? Well, it could be a couple of reasons and a lot of factors that could uh, influence them holding back. One, 
um, could be just their lack of vocabulary in having the words to actually describe how they're feeling. Like I mentioned earlier, adolescence, puberty, there's a lot going on, a lot of um, emotional changes because of hormonal changes due to puberty and um, just a lot of things going on in their mind that they may not have the vocabulary to express. Um, it could be that they just don't want to share at that point. Maybe they know what they're going through, but like uh, Ira said, they don't want to. They're not ready maybe to talk about it yet. They're still processing it within themselves. Um so a lot of factors, but I really like what Ira said about giving them time. Um, if they feel, especially when it comes to teenagers, when it's a tricky situation, you know, because prompting too much can, you know, make them... Okay, yeah, exactly. I'd rather not tell you at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, you know, pushing them too much, it may, you know, even hurt the relationship and things like that. So giving them that space is something really important. Just to add on to that, I've noticed that some powerful tools for parents... Um, that they can consider using is a reflecting. So, for example, if we see our teenager just looking really down this particular day or something like that, the power of reflection can actually help. So you can start with a general question like, oh, how was school today? Okay, no answer, no reply. And then something like, oh, I, I see you're not um, your usual self today or you look a bit down I'm always here to listen. You know, something like that with, with that doesn't end in a mm -hmm. question, you know, where they feel like they have to answer. Yeah. Uh, just like a reflection and a reassurance that, you know, you were always there for them. That really helps, I've seen. How important is that time um, to let them process? Um, so what are they doing when Ira gives them that time? You know, she, she steps back, she doesn't push. Um, what, how are they dealing with it? Well, that's a tough one. It's talking I mean, about the it's, yeah. mind of an adolescent, right. which we haven't been in in quite a while. But yeah, I would say that they're really just um, trying to make sense of it. So it could be um, their own way of managing. Maybe they'd prefer to talk to a friend first or a sibling first, you know, to process, you know, this happened or this happened in school and just kind of go step by step before maybe opening up to mom and dad, uh, depending on what the issue is. Mm. So everyone will process in their own way. Some like to journal, some like to um, mm. draw, um, some like to talk to other friends. Uh, so how they process it would be really individualized. Mm. Yeah. But giving them that time to, it also shows that, you know, us as a parent, or as an adult, we're not we're not pushing, you know. We, we know that, okay, you need to take your time. We understand that we're giving you that space, that compassion, and then hopefully they trust enough to come back to us if they need that help. Ira, do your kids talk to their friends first? How do you feel about that? Definitely, they talk to their friends first. <laughs> but in, for me, it helps that I know their friends' parents. <laughs> so sometimes that's another way of uh, uh, getting the other side of the um, moms to mom or dad to dad kind of thing eh? what, what our kids are talking about <laughs> so some um, it, it requires effort I would say because um, you can't be not knowing your kids um, uh, your, your kids friends uh, who are their parents background that kind of thing um, because it shows um, them that we do care about their friends as well because not just wanting to you know, just sayang our own kids, right? Mm. You have to know who are their friends as well. Mm. Um, so that's one of the way of it. Mm. Dr. Renila, you used the word vocabulary. Mm. Um, and, and if we want to start teaching our kids to have that vocabulary when it comes to what they're feeling and what they're having problems with, um, 
is that what emotional intelligence is? Yeah, exactly. So emotional intelligence is actually what we want to teach our children to be able uh, to help them express and to help them share with us what they need to. So emotional intelligence, um, in simple words, is just basically the ability to understand your own emotions and respond to it as well, your own emotions as well as, you know, other people's. Because when you're able to understand and respond to your own, you're able to understand and respond to other people. So emotional intelligence is so important. It is the basics of communication in essence. So it's something that um, parents, um, teachers, you know, any adult, you know, if they are around children, they should be working on this um, Mm -hmm. for themselves so that they can support their children and the young ones around them better to build up this emotional intelligence. At what age should we start? Mm -hmm. Oh, it can start um, as young as three. It can start as young as they are able to read and, you know, they're able to identify faces. So two, three years, you can actually already start um, using emotion words when you're speaking to them. Of course, it changes, you know, so the young ones can use very simple things like, you know, sad, happy. Mm -hmm. But as they grow older, you can introduce more emotional words like... um, confused, um, excited, surprised, yeah, frustrated. You just introduce more words as they grow up and that really builds their vocabulary of, okay, these are all the emotions that are possible. These are all the emotions that everybody feels. It's normal. uh, And that kind of builds up on their emotional intelligence. So that's the thing, right, that it's normal Mm. um, because culturally um, what we tend to do is maybe we use these words Maybe we acknowledge them, but we also encourage kids to suppress it. You know, if you're angry, there's no point getting angry or or stop crying. Um, Just deal with it. Um, Perhaps not in such blunt terms, but I I know I make that mistake as well with my son. Um, And do you think uh, actually we should be giving kids a bit more space to, to feel what they feel? Definitely, definitely. So I think with emotions, we all, all of us tend to suppress the negative ones. The negative ones are bad. If you're angry, don't show people that you're angry. If you're sad, don't cry. Don't show people that you're sad. And this is a cultural thing, a societal thing. I I don't know, but it's there. It's always there. So making the conscious effort to allow our children to feel those negative emotions is something really important. So if they're angry, um, something to say would be like, yeah, okay, it's okay to be angry. Everybody feels angry. But what we do with that anger, of course, mm-hmm. that's the difference. Yeah. So isolating the behavior from the emotion. All emotions are normal. So that should be like everybody's mantra. You know, all emotions are okay. All emotions are normal. It's just the behavior when we do them, that is what we need to work on. That is what we need to address. How are feelings dealt with in your family, Ira? Um... Well, um, not not. It's a learning. I would say it's it's a journey. It's a learning because um, the teenagers one are, are the journey for us learning. But the younger one is the one that we have went through with the other two elder yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. So I would say the easier part about the feeling is the younger one because, for example, if the younger the younger one is crying, you know that let him cry. Mm. <laughs> I mean, like. He will stop crying after a while, mm. but the one we are still learning is the one with the the, the teenagers one. How are they? Um, are they like stressed or are they, you know, unnecessarily 
um, being too sensitive about some things and all that. So I would say we are, as a family, we're still learning to understand the the, the situation yeah. uh, with whatever the reaction they are giving, the response that they come coming back. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes like, where is this behavior coming? <laughs> you know, I'm just talking to you nicely. Why are you giving me, you know, the look? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. uh, so it's, it's, it's a try and error kind of thing. Do you, do you yourself feel um, that even for you, it's a learning process to reveal your own emotionals or when you as a parent uh, are struggling, stress at work or dealing with finances and things like that, right? Do you find it difficult to show that to your kids also? Because um, in a way, sometimes we want to protect our kids from yeah, seeing us seeing in those situations. Really, yeah. um, yes and no. It depends. Because uh, I can't be showing... Um, we are always okay all the time because yeah. that's not being real. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I pick which one is either if this something like you know, as a family, you need to know if there are like um, there's a death in the family coming or um, I mean, sorry, is someone is not feeling well in the family, not kind of thing. You, you, I have we have to show that you know this is serious. Like, we, mommy kind of said, you know that kind of thing. Not not suppress it, like not mm. showing. Yeah. Uh, but there are things that work that you can. Yeah, this is not the end of the world. No, don't, don't take it on the kids, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dr. Renella, you said um, it's okay to let kids feel their feelings, but boundaries? Okay, boundaries. So, yeah, definitely it's okay to let uh, children feel their emotions and feel their feelings, but boundaries come in in the sense of behavior. So, like what I mentioned earlier, um, the behavior is what needs to be addressed and there need to be boundaries about what is done, though the emotion can be felt. So, for example, um, a young child getting angry and hitting the younger sibling. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as a parent, you would stop that saying, it's okay to be angry. Yes, we all get angry with each other, but you cannot hit or harm somebody else. How else can you show your anger? You know, you can scribble down on a paper or, you know, help them channel that emotion into a less destructive kind of behavior. So boundaries need to come, especially when kids are smaller, so that as they're growing up in, at the puberty stage as teenagers, they learn these boundaries and what's appropriate by themselves as they go on. But at a young age, we need to be teaching them that this emotion is fine, you can be sad, you can be angry, but the boundary of you know, what can and cannot be done is definitely that you cannot harm people, you cannot um, harm yourself, you have you cannot harm the environment, you cannot break things. So these are the boundaries that need to be set at a younger age. And and talking about emotional intelligence and coming to building up on what Ira said, you know, as parents, I think a challenge that parents have when they're dealing with teenagers is really um, a lot of parents, a lot of us, have not been taught these skills of um, being emotionally intelligent. Uh, and that is where we struggle. Mm-hmm. We have not been taught how to be aware of our own emotions. We have not been taught how to manage those emotions. We have not been taught to label our emotions. Um, and so, of course, when we have kids or you know, we have teenagers, it becomes a real struggle for us. So really, I, I tell all the parents that I see when they bring their kids to me, I tell them that parenting... Um, if you were to come to me with an issue, I would say you would need to reflect because parenting so much is about 
reflecting on what you're, you have done and reflecting on how you're brought up and how that's affecting your current um, way uh, of brain raising. Yeah, exactly, yeah. way of raising your kids. And emotional intelligence is so much like that. Mm. Reflecting on what you were taught as a child, you know, how your emotions were handled as a child mm. um, and then seeing, you know, where, where, am I using that exact same thing when I'm raising my kids or can I tweak certain things here and there? You mentioned uh, when you're working with parents and children, do you have older kids um, coming to see you who still have problems with um, knowing where the boundaries are? And, you know, you talked about how it's important to nurture that when kids are younger, but then how do you work with the older kids? Yeah, I mean, I still see adults who have issues yeah, with that's boundaries. True. <laughs> yeah, that's true. yeah, so definitely uh, boundaries will always be an issue. Um, yeah, older teen, teens and um, those adolescents who have difficulties with boundaries, in a way it's easier because you can actually um, rationalize, you can help them because they are a bit more mature, they have that cognitive part developed. It is a bit more easier depending um uh, on how uh, well aware they are to, to, you know, how insightful they are. But it is a bit easier to discuss and to come up with, you know, uh, boundaries. So I would say in a way, adults and um, teens may be a little bit easier to talk about mm -hmm. boundaries. But of course, again, it really depends on the situation. It depends on the context and what boundaries are being, you know, disrupted and things like that. Mm. We'll go for another quick break. And continue the discussion looking a little bit at the use of social media devices. Um, number one concern for parents today, I think, and how emotional intelligence could help children then navigate the use uh, of social media and how they would themselves feel comfortable and safe um, using it. Joining me in the studio today, Dr. Ranila Ishani Sirisinga, a licensed counsellor with Thrive Well and IRA, a full-time working mom of four children. So stay tuned to Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik. On Mind Matters today, I'm speaking to Dr. Ranila Ishani Sirisinga, a licensed counsellor with Thrive Well, and Ira, a working mother of four children. We're discussing how to better communicate with children, especially when it comes to uh, what they are experiencing and struggling with emotionally. Um, before we left off for the break, we were talking about boundaries and um, that part of the conversation was how to teach children about setting boundaries when it comes to their emotions and their behaviours. But um, again, flipping it to parents, Dr. Ranila, what do parents need to know about our boundaries as well, right? Because um, we may think we're doing something in the best interests of our children, um, but where do we know how to draw the line? And, and what are some grey areas that parents need to be aware of? Right. So when you're talking about boundaries, um, especially when we're talking about adolescents and teens, um, drawing up of boundaries should really be a collaborative process. So meaning um, it should be a discussion. It shouldn't be the parents saying, OK, this is the boundary. That's it. No, you know, no discussion. Um, teens will push back. They will not be happy with that, you know, that that. Um, kind of direction. So definitely a discussion, <clears throat> collaborative uh, boundaries is something that's always better. So I think a guideline for parents is 
if you're talking about safety, I think it's very clear. You know, we want to keep our kids safe, right? So whatever situation, if it's coming back home late at night, no, you know, it's this this time because this is a okay time. Well, it's up to the parents' discretion to decide what is safe and what is not. But that also, it should always be a compromise and a discussion. You know, we don't want to put it onto our kids that this is it. This is nothing. Uh, nothing can be discussed. Maybe if you come back at nine and showing that you're sticking to your curfew very um, well, maybe, you know, in a couple of months, we can see if we can move it to 930. So there's always like a give and take on both sides. Some gray areas may be um, things like technology, things like social media. Um, and the gray areas come about when parents have, um, uh, you know, so the parent may, be have, may have been brought up in a different, a whole different um, view, you know, on social media, whereas now, you know, there's social media every day. So one parent, it may be very strict, no phones until you're 16, whereas another parent may be a bit more lenient. So the gray areas are, are those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Um, there's no right. There's, there's yeah, no there's really no right or wrong. It's really what the parent and child feels comfortable with and what they can work together to kind of form in terms of boundaries. So those are the gray areas. I always tell the parents to decide what they are comfortable with. And, you know, if they're not comfortable with, while they can set that boundary, they can also explore with themselves, you know, why they're not so comfortable, what is going on with them. Because like I said, parenting is a lot of reflection on yourself um, to kind of decide and see how they can meet your child halfway. Mm. But... Uh, parents um, today uh, who grew up in a different time will say, I wasn't raised like that. My parents never gave me those liberties, right? Yeah. Why is it important for us to acknowledge that times are different now? It's really important to see. I think when we use that, that when we compare our upbringing with the current upbringing, it's just, it's just not possible. We can't compare. It's a whole different world. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we didn't have phones. We didn't have like Instagram. We didn't have Facebook. It's just a whole different world. So doing that comparison saying, I was brought up this way, it should work. We need to come to terms with the reality that is going on right now, which is what applies back then does not apply now and mm. probably will never apply. Certain values, certain things that we want to keep, traditions, cultures, that's fine, but certain things need to be tweaked with the reality of today's world. Mm. Ira, when it comes to your children's use of social media, uh, what are your worries? My worries is uh, knowing what is right and wrong information. Uh, mm. Like, you know, all these virals, or the fake news, that kind of thing, uh, all the current affairs issues. Um some may not be up to the maturity of them to understand. And it can be out of proportion if they're not taken into proper context. So my concern would be that lah, mm. when they have a social media. Mm. Mm. Have you seen any impact on their mental health when it comes to them, you know, who, what they're seeing, watching and talking to? Uh, yes, because uh, both of my teens, they have um, the Instagram, the Twitter and all that. Uh, one of the examples that my observation um, in terms of them thinking having a lot of followers or a lot of likes um, is something to validate yeah. their presence and all that. Mm. So that is where I come in and say, <coughs> no, that's not where you get your validation mm. or, you know, from the media because it's just a very low percentage of the truth out there from the social media. So those are the things where... Um, as a parent, I come in um, informing them. Um, you can have your social media, but don't take it as, um, you know, 100% true. 
come back with a reality like um, just as us as an adult as well, right? Sometimes mm, we get yeah. carried away yep. with things, the comments, very you know very harsh. Some of those, right? Yeah. Mm. So don't take it too personal. Um, is how you respond to it. Um, that's did how that I, did that help them? Did it help them? Um, to do because I I always share the the reality of uh, having social media. There's a good and a bad. Mm. Is you need to know to choose because I. Like you said just now, uh, Dr. Rinda, um, their generation, uh, we can't, you know, hide them from not having social media mm. and not because they will come to a point they will need um, to know all these things. Mm. But it's just how to use it responsibly, yeah. um, all these social media platforms and all that. Yeah. Dr. Rinda, how would emotional intelligence help children to sort of find that balance? And such a good point from Ira about not... Um, you seeking validation purely from likes and comments, right? Yeah, that's really that's a really big issue nowadays. And yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So I would say emotional intelligence really helps, um, in the sense that when a teen or an, a child is going through their social media or sees something um, that stirs up, you know, some emotions or triggers them, or they don't receive a good comment, or they get cyberbullied or something like that. Emotional intelligence helps in the way that they can identify what's happening in themselves. They can say, okay, something's going on, I'm, I'm scared, or I'm feeling um, ashamed, or I've been humiliated. They're able to pick that up. They're able to label what they're feeling, and they're able to draw that boundary for themselves. I mean, that's what we hope with that emotional intelligence. Um, so, that that's a way emotional intelligence will help because it helps them become more insightful into themselves and what's going on with them. And then from there, being able to express it better and make that boundary over, okay, I'm going to stop following this person or I'm going to delete this, this, this comment or I'm not going to post this kind of things anymore. So it's kind of like a feedback loop. So they have to experience that emotion and they have to process that and understand that. And of course, if their emotional intelligence is high, they're able to do that efficiently. Hopefully they have support from parents and siblings who can um, you know, work with them through processing that. And then that helps them navigate through the social media um, and technology frenzy these days a bit better. Mm. Do you think that building up this emotional intelligence is perhaps a little beyond what parents can do alone? That um, it's uh, perhaps something parents should consider working with a mental health professional like yourself? Yeah, really good point. I feel parents can set the stage for it, like making the home a... a place where emotional intelligence is really built and things like that. But like you brought up, there are a lot of other aspects that play a role in a child's life. For example, school. School is another huge part where if emotional intelligence is not um, very important or emotions are not given um, space, you know, sometimes it can erode into a little bit of the work that parents are doing. Mm -hmm. um, but speaking about working with a mental health professional, yeah, I mean, if there are um, behaviors or issues that you feel that the parent may feel that they are not fully equipped, because like I said, a lot of us, we are not emotionally intelligent ourselves, not very emotionally intelligent. So getting that support, getting that help from professionals, people who have been trained, that's very available these days. So definitely, that's definitely on the table these days. Yeah. Ira, what are your thoughts on that as a parent? Would you find it useful? Very useful. Okay. Because um, again, to echo what Dr. Raina is saying, um, emotional intelligence is it's not like from the book. It, yeah. It's what you have to go through. Yeah. You have to experience it, feel it. Um, then that's where the, the, the you apply that to. Uh, you may or may not 
know you are you really using it that that AI thing right mm. um, so I, I would say it's very useful mm. uh, to wrap up our discussion today can I get each of you to share a final message a, a takeaway uh, from your respective um, viewpoint about children's emotions and how parents can build those connections with their kids um, perhaps Ira first um, I guess um, the the hardest part is always um, being patient actually those are skills I mm. think um, patient with how they respond patient with um, the reaction that we want to give to them and um, for me as a parent don't feel like Um, you're going through this alone. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, help from the professional. Yeah. Um, help with the people who sometimes who have um, older children. Because I think um, if you were to, you know, among the same set of uh, friends who, you know, just have about the same age, they may not see the things that the older, the parent with the older kids have views. Mm-hmm. So that's another way that I'll um, approach to, to, you know, seek advice, guidance. Mm, yeah. And um, for them to give you hope, right, mm-hmm. that you can ride these choppy waters and... Um, and sort of like come out on top of it. Mm-hmm. Dr. Ranila, your takeaway? Yeah, I think for me, I would just say to really keep um, the takeaway for parents and adults and therapists would just keep lines of communication open at mm. all times. Um, whatever is brought to the table, whatever is said, whatever is done, even if it's been a screaming match, mm. as long as it's something we can talk about at the end and we can always talk about anything, that that's something that's really important for all parents. Mm. And I just want to say like, to all parents out there, I think parenting at this time you know, in this world is, is crazy. So mm. I think everybody crazy. out there is doing a really good job. They're doing the best that they can to you know, support their kids and the people around them. So... Just good job and hang in there, parents. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting through each day is an yeah, achievement it's a in itself. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Thank you so much, so much for sharing your thoughts with me today. Ira, a full-time working mom, and Dr. Ranila Ishani Sirisinga, a licensed counselor with Thrive Well, on today's episode of Mind Matters. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.